My name is Scott Challoner and you are listening to the Leaders Council podcast for the people who run the country and the people who keep the country running. As our regular listeners will be very aware, part of our mission here at the Leaders Council is to bring you a variety of distinct perspectives on leadership. And to this end, we're joined today by Angus Ferguson on the programme, the co-founder of Demijohn, the world's first liquid deli, which he helped establish in Edinburgh in 2004. Um, Angus, very warm welcome to yourself. And by all means, thank you for joining us on the show. It's a pleasure, Scott, to be to be here and able to talk to you. So thank you for asking me. And a pleasure to welcome you, um, Angus. It's uh, not the first time, of course, you've joined us on the programme, but just for those sort of first-time listeners who might not have sort of been tuning in the last time that you were on the show, um, a liquid deli, very interesting concept to a lot of people. Um, what exactly is it that you sort of do, just to expand on those people that might not be aware of you? Well, that's a very good question. Um a liquid deli uh, is a, a lovely phrase we coined for our business, Demijohn, um, because we have a selection of delicious food and drink products, all of which are liquids, pretty much. And um, uh, and the basic concept which we came up with when we founded in Edinburgh in 2004 was that um, we could fill up bottles uh, and allow customers to come back and refill them. And um, part of the fun when we had high street shops uh, or when we're out at events is that you can uh, you can actually taste the product um, prior to filling the bottle. Um, and very much it was done on, on the grounds that um, it would uh, help a customer understand what the product was and also importantly be a very sustainable way of uh, selling uh, food and drink products uh, so that the bottle can be reused, and of course, that's a very sensible thing to do. And um, and actually, it saves customer uh, some money, and it is very helpful for the environment. So, in a nutshell, that is the liquid deli concept: uh, the idea that you can taste things, fill a bottle, and then come back and refill them. And um, uh, uh, it's been an emergency, uh, an amazing journey since two thousand and four adding on, as you can imagine, a greater variety of products, everything from uh, traditional slow gin uh, to really quirky things like uh, Bramble Scotch Whiskey Liqueur, beautiful oils and vinegars. Um, so uh, the sky's the limit in terms of uh, the range of products now and um, even things for uh, a very much an emerging market of um uh, alcohol-free products. So we have beautiful mm. uh, sort of syrups and cordials. It's an amazing range by the sounds of it and uh, the sustainable aspect of the business as well almost certainly serves you in good stead at a time where consumers are becoming much more acutely aware of their carbon footprint, their environmental impact. And so that is something I'm sure that we'll get onto um, a little bit later on in the discussion. And um, I want to sort of take us back to something which has helped make people more aware of their impact on the environment. And that is, of course, what's been going on over the last couple of years. Sorry to dwell on negatives, but I suppose the COVID pandemic would have been an interesting period for yourself and your business, Angus. And I suppose we should sort of look into sort of how it was kind of getting through the challenge of that for the company as a whole. Yes, I mean, an absolutely uh, extraordinary period um, throwing uh, as many challenges at all business, I think, that could, anyone could wish for in a lifetime and happening in such a relatively short space of time as well. Um, and um, 
Um, for us, uh, I suppose one has to understand each business entered the pandemic at the beginning of 2020, so that February, March period, in different positions. And our our particular position was if, uh, if I sort of recount the, the short history of Demijohn in the sense that we, we founded with uh, a single store in Edinburgh in uh, July 2004. And then we um, we developed an e-commerce side of the business um, back in the November of that year. And that, that proved to be a, uh, a fabulous and clever move. Uh, for us to give us a, a, an added dimension. And we then proceeded to open a number of high street stores around the country and other cities, say Glasgow, York, Oxford. And um, and by 2017, we were very aware that, um, that certain factors in the retail world were changing very fast, that the move to uh, e-commerce and mail order was, uh, was really unstoppable, that... Um, Mr. Bezos and his Amazon empire in particular was uh, was really um, causing the gift market on the high street uh, a lot of trouble. And we decided actually to pull out. So by the time we got to um, February 2020, we were actually in the midst of a, a big reorganization for the company anyway. And, um, <clears throat> and I think because of that, it saved us. We had uh, made some hard decisions to uh, extract out of uh, all the cities. And we were left with uh, one main store in York, which was our main liability, um, while continuing to run uh, the e-commerce operation. And um, and we had some um, the beginnings of a, a, a new uh, distribution channel through farm shops, uh, having smaller concessions where uh, the liability was less for us, but very good for sort of um, if you can imagine customer engagement, so continuing that ability to allow customers to try our products before they were buying them, that was uh, crucial to us. So, um, and um, needless to say, though, when uh, in February 2020, um, even before the government had put up its hand and decided that uh, that uh, that they were going to declare a, a full pandemic. Um, it was interesting that the the general public had already made that decision that something was um, very much amiss, and uh, the general panic meant that um, they actually stopped coming shopping. So in York, um, in relatively in early February, uh, we saw a complete drop off of any walk in trade, and this affected, I know, um, all the other high street retailers at the same time. So we were. Uh, we were put in a very interesting position of um, uh, really looking looking down the barrel at a at a future with no customers walking in the door and uh, very quickly running out of cash and that that is the trouble uh, the Achilles heel of all business I think especially retailers is one of cash flow that um, if you if you just turn off the tap for sales um, so customers stop coming then um, then you very quickly run out of cash because uh, you're sitting on quite a large amount of stock. So um, uh, we, um, and at that moment in February, um, and I'm just sort of winding my head back now to exactly how it was, but um, we had the calamity that um, there was no internet sales as well. So mm. uh, for a very strange reason, I can't 
quite explain why. Um, really, the whole of commerce just came to a grinding halt. Uh, and um, and really, uh, by the time we were into March, and the government was starting to decide on <clears throat> measures to to maybe assist businesses uh, of what was going on, and then finally declaring um, the lockdown. Uh, by that stage, we were all extremely worried because there there was no business. We had no business, and I remember um, really coming to the end of February um, after having uh, quite a few weeks of absolutely zero trade. Um, but of course, all the liabilities were still there, rate, rent, all our staff needed paid and everything else. And um, I did actually think, given our, our organizational makeup at that point, where we we were in this process of reorganizing, I had um, I suddenly thought, crikey, I think this is what the end of the business looks like. Uh, and um, couldn't really see a way around it at that point. And um, it was... Um, uh, the thing that turned the corner for us was that um, uh, as lockdown, um, as it became clear that a lockdown was, was going to happen, um, uh, the the actual internet sales restarted. So this is probably middle of March now. Mm. And um, we saw a very slow trickle of internet orders start, which then that trickle became uh, a greater a greater flood, and uh, until eventually it was a tsunami, <laughs> is the way I describe it. Uh, and um, and by the end of March, um, I remember uh, turning around to Frances, my wife, uh, and saying, um, "I think a miracle is about to happen. I think we, uh, with a bit of careful financial planning and assistance, um, with these sort of sales, we may." just survive and uh, so we'd gone from a period of really I suppose at the end of February thinking that it was all over I really couldn't see a way around what's going to happen if this sales couldn't restart in any way so if we were to have maybe I don't know three four six months of just nothing then uh, then that would be it we would have to uh, shut up completely and then um, to have the almost complete reversal just Sort of four to six weeks later, uh, thinking, right? How do we how do we take this uh, new situation and make the most of it? And um, uh, and of course, overlapping that with the fears of what was playing out at the time. I mean, one of the one of the issues is that our, our head office and our sort of main logistics hub is uh, geographically separated. So we're in Southwest Scotland on the farm here, mm. and. Um, um, and uh, but that was really uh, originally an administrative hub. Uh, it wasn't designed for um, anything other than that uh, at that point. And we um, uh, we had a, we had the large sort of I suppose uh, shop and uh, space down in York, which was really doing all our um, processing of our our, our business. And um, and so we were hit with a new problem, which was. Um, how to communicate with your staff um, without me going and being with them. Of course, the first thing I wanted to do was rush down and sort of be with them and help them firsthand. But of course, that was the one thing you couldn't do. Uh, if you remember, um, basically, there was a, a sort of clampdown on, on movement. And um, and uh, and then we were dealing with uh, really the sort of the motive and fear factor that um, it was an unknown quantity, the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Um, and 
trying to persuade our staff that um, actually they could continue to work in a safe uh, in a safe way uh, while this was going on, um, and and how were we going to do that? And so, some amazing challenges uh, that were thrown up, uh, and um, um, we were very lucky. We have uh, we had a very loyal team, uh, all of whom were uh, very intelligent and sensible people, um, and um, but um, even they, uh, I mean. Um, even they at that moment couldn't really see through it. Of course, we were we were sort of reading the various bits of advice about how to stop tram- the transmission of the disease and things like that. So uh, we made a quick decision that um, despite the ability uh, that we may be allowed to reopen the shop door to let people in, actually the best thing to do would be to completely close it and then immediately um, put all our energies into mm. um, into the mail order side of the business rather than the uh, the normal sort of high street walk in retail side of the business and um, uh, and that was a that that proved to be a very shrewd move um, because it just simplified what we then had to do after that and we reorganised to the point of sort of stripping stripping the shop out to to create more space to allow uh, the process of mail order. Uh, in what normally would have been uh, the sort of space that you'd have customers coming in uh, to then um, create a, a sort of efficient, uh, a more efficient space for um, for, for processing um, a very large amount of mail order. And um, and so, um, so our overlapping problem then became uh, one of demand um, totally outstripping supply. So mm-hmm. we had this extraordinary situation of very nearly going under to then suddenly being overwhelmed with uh, uh, sales in a way that we hadn't seen for um, really not at that time of the year ever but uh, normally sort of associated with kind of pre-Christmas type thing but we weren't ready for that and um, not having enough staff to be able to, uh, to deal with this problem or staff that were on unwilling for very good reasons that they, they, they thought it was too big a risk to, to come in. So actually persuading them to come to work um, and um, trying to get them uh, to help. Uh, and then um, and once we'd persuaded them to start to actually come and rejoin and work, that, uh, that very quickly we ran out of um, supplies of things that were very popular. And of course that, so one thing leads another, it's the sort of chicken and the egg thing. And, um, and the stresses involved of that, that when you're dealing with, uh, with, with mail order, so the orders are coming in thick and fast. Uh, and if you start running out of stuff, then you're into a customer service nightmare, but you don't have the staff in order to uh, be able to deal with all that because, of course, you're, you're very low in staffing and very high in terms of demand on, on their time of anyone who's working. So, mm. um, And then overlapping all that was the fear of uh, someone getting getting the disease and then uh, suddenly you know, losing another person out of the workforce or, or worse still, them getting very, very ill and, and dying with it. And um, uh, we um, somehow in this muddle, uh, we managed to prevail and um, and we created a, a sort of happy closed unit where uh, the York team um, operated very much as an in- independent family, is how I describe it, um, that actually the staff... Um, we were lucky in that some of them were living in the same flat, if that makes sense. So 
In other words, the risk of infection uh, reduced enormously by by that situation, and then um, and also they they independently um, decided that the best the best way of doing this was to um, uh, to really they would they would operate just just with the um, the people they were with in the shop, and that was it. That was their sort of uh, their, their, they reduced the group size. Um, and these were very interesting issues to try and resolve very quickly. Um, and, um, and of course, all different, uh, all, all done at, um, sort of arm's length as it were. Um, so here we are, South of Scotland, of course, that was all down in York. Uh, so, um, it was, uh, it was an interesting challenge. And, um, and, and of course the challenges didn't stop there. They, they came and went with the year as we as we sort of as we as we drove through it, mm. um, and um, one of the, the sort of overarching memories that I have uh, of it was that if you were prepared to be flexible and change, um, uh, there were definite opportunities to be made. Certainly, um, in some configurations. Um, clearly, some companies were going to be very lucky because they were just very well set up, uh, and uh, they were in a lucky place or the right place at the right time. Others, like us, we still had some long-term liabilities that were ongoing in the background, which were going to cause us trouble. Um, but we're saved from the fact that we had already a pretty well-established e-commerce straight mail order size for the business, so that was really where the the money was going to be, uh, the sales were going to be made in 2020, and um, uh, and we were able to, um, as best we could, uh, reinforce the success of that. And that, you know, so it's the ability to uh, accept that um, change was necessary and be flexible with that, uh, and then um, see. Uh, once again, that you know the, the old arch thing of reinforcing success um, and going for that, and and uh, and then not being distracted by the other the other issues that were going on, um, really was was the crucial part of, of succeeding. And um, and I've obviously had lots of discussions with other businesses uh, of a similar level, um, you know, that uh, uh, some of which never made it, and you know, it's just um, really, one of those unfortunate things for some that they weren't able to um, uh, to change their business model quick enough in order to adapt to the new situation, and that's that's become a a very interesting part of I think all businesses um, moving forward that are still here, and um, you know are you know that that really led us from there the the actual lessons that we learned during those moments of a potential complete critical failure where that um, uh, that one needed to um, going forward was going to need to be much more flexible about uh, how the business was to operate and um, and so we funny enough in that early period really that sort of first half of 2020 was was where we decided my about uh, I would say by by the time we got to uh, really middle of May, um, France and I had made a decision that um, that 
high street retail would change forever, that this would never be the same again, and that actually the writing was on the wall. It had been from 2017, but this was going to be the final sort of knock on the head that um, it would be nigh on impossible to continue a retail business on the high street mm. in the way that we had uh, once thought uh, of, of driving it forward. And that quick decision was has been crucial in us being able to survive both through the pandemic and then uh, in this post period where we are now because so what, what our decision was, and I, I was very lucky because we had a, a commercial leases for anyone who knows about them, um, are really nasty, horrible things. Um, for those that know about commercial leases, uh, you start a, a commercial lease, uh, a lease all smiles, um, um, but of course you're um, signing up to a very tight legal agreement uh, and um, what that does is means that um, it's actually relatively inflexible for change during that lease. And what we found during the, the pandemic was that our landlords were um, uh, actually very unsympathetic um, uh, to us as the tenant um, and, uh, um, and behaved, we think, rather badly in the sense that uh, they uh, they were uh, less than willing to renegotiate the lease uh, going forward, even sort of post post pandemic after the sort of dust had settled. Um, um, but it was because of their behaviour that um, really we formulated the plan that the best thing we could do with the business was to uh, remove ourselves from the high street completely. So we we took the the final hard decision that we would. Um, we would actually use a break clause in our lease for, for York to come out of there. And we left York High Street uh, in January 2021, so the earliest opportunity, um, with very much the vision to bring uh, the whole of the processing of our um, of our business back to our farm here in southwest Scotland, um, that we would uh, set about a plan to... Uh, to um, convert a bit of farmsteading that was unused uh, for purposes of mail order processing and also administration of the business. So to develop very much a, a business hub here um, on our own ground, in our own buildings, and um, move ourselves away from uh, a, fixed, a, a very large fixed cost and liability for the business so that we were really free to adjust and move um, with the flow of uh, with the flow of business from that point onwards um, certainly we could see that uh, that um, thanks to the pandemic thanks to other sort of factors uh, from brexit to um, all the other bits and bobs going on at the moment complexity with the uh, with the business world that uh, the next five to ten years were going to be bumpy, whatever happened, mm. and then actually to to give ourselves, um, uh, I suppose the the best chance would be to um, to make ourselves as flexible as possible, rather than tying ourselves into fixed commercial leases. So um, uh, easy to say, much more difficult to uh, to actually do, and uh, sure enough. It has been a 
almost uh, sort of certainly 18 months of planning um, has gone into it. And I'm very happy to say that we are, um, building work is well underway <clears throat> at the moment uh, with the farmsteading. And we're hoping to be finished within uh, within six weeks uh, to give ourselves um, a fixed premises once more where we can rapidly um, grow the business again using e-commerce as uh, the main driver but also establishing um, uh, a greater number of these uh, wonderful sort of little concession outlets in farm shops mm. um, and other sort of uh, there's, there's actually quite a number of um, uh, sort of refill type stores if you can imagine around the country uh, that have been popping up and um, uh, this way gives us uh, still our sort of front end of the business where we can uh, meet our customer and um, we be able to utilize all the, the modern uh, ways of digital marketing in order to um, to really reach customers throughout the globe. Um, that is the beauty of e-commerce. You're no longer fixed. It's just one place on one high street in one mm. city. Uh, it is uh, it's actually reaching the world. So um, it's been quite a journey from uh, from the start of the pandemic. But um, I really do feel for our business that we have um, um, that the it, it actually benefited us. It, it it made us make a decision about the business that I think um, we were struggling to make, which was that uh, that the um, for us, that, that the retail landscape had changed dramatically, mm. um, and um, most of the change, I think, sort of funny enough, happened around that 2017 period. That was when we became hugely aware of it, um, and then, um, um, but actually, as a business owner, to be able to make that decision that uh, the, you know, your, your initial concept has to change in order to survive is very, very hard to do. And the, the pandemic, the pressures on the pandemic um, pushed that uh, to the absolute forefront. Um, and um, and certainly by making that move, uh, getting out of the high street, bringing ourselves back to reorganizing the business to the extreme level of uh, building our own premises and uh, doing it on our own turf, as it were, um, has given us uh, the absolute flexibility we need now for the future. And so um, by the time we've finished these two really quite major projects, mm. the, the building of the new premises and also the redevelopment of our e-commerce website, um, where we'll be able to uh, market in a, a very much more intelligent and automated way, um, you know, our products will continue to sell in ever greater numbers to uh, lots of lovely customers all around the world. I mean, it's it's actually it's it, it's an extraordinary journey, but um, we are um, we're in a we're in a pretty good place right now. Um, Fantastic. Certainly seems to uh, to bode well for the future. And um, I think you are very right that the impact of the pandemic, that sort of advent of e-commerce and the uh, sort of increased awareness of sort of our health and our impact on the environment seems to have really benefited the business and served you in the serves you in good stead for the future, Angus. So I can imagine that you're incredibly excited about what the next year holds. 
We absolutely are. And um, um, and the other bit that I didn't mention, I mean, we managed to attract some support from our local enterprise um, body here, the South Scotland Enterprise, and uh, so they've come in to help us. And, you know, they're an organization that, once again, has, uh, I think, developed themselves as a result of the pandemic. So there's another sort of interesting um positive that has come out you know they've here we are in southwest scotland this is an area if you can imagine uh very rural known for uh wonderful farming uh, a lot of dairy dairy farming but uh certainly grass fed um beef and sheep and um we um uh it is <laughs> the describers the land as on milk and honey but what we have here funnily enough is an area of um, really good, high-quality food and drink production. Uh, a lot of it is unknown to the rest of the world. Um, so suddenly that presented an opportunity for us to become the uh, hub, uh, as it were, for really good quality food and drink for the region. Um, and I think our enterprise body, when we discussed this with them and 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 told them of our plans that um, uh, they um, they were very understanding about this and, and very excited about about the thoughts that we had of doing this. We were already talking to uh, 60,000 people per week uh, using our email newsletters and uh, um, people are willingly signing up for those. Uh, and we talked to people all around the globe. So uh, we have the ability to to find new product here locally and then sell it globally, as it were, which is uh, a wonderful position and um, and brings revenue back into this this area, which was uh, their ultimate aim to try and uh, try and develop that further. Um, and it's um, and I suppose the over overlapping thing of that was um, was also that we've become a we've become a, a seasonal attraction in our own right by developing pieces of setting and putting in quite an interesting business. We are, uh, we become a bit like a, uh, a winery. So, you know, maybe you're sort of visiting, visiting France. You may, may have gone and done a, a winery tour or something like that. But, um, but that is also a potential uh, benefit of, of what we're doing here that our summer here in is, is a, a very busy summer actually it's june july and august um with many visitors coming now from all around the all around the country to southwest scotland and discovering it um uh we're able to uh on an occasional basis we'll be able to tap into that market as well to to, to help us reach ever new customers so uh it's a it's a very happy it's a very happy happy thing that we're doing um and we're not there yet but uh, we haven't got far to go now. I feel there is definitely light at the end of this tunnel, and it's been—it's been a, you know, it, it has been a long journey, and um, and at moments very tricky. But um, but actually, uh, with the new team we've got, we're uh, we're in a very good place to move forward in in what will be, you know, there's no doubt uh, some challenging years ahead. Um, but I have to say, I think the the e-commerce side of business is uh, is possibly the, the safest route to go um, for us at the moment. 
Yeah, it seems so. And uh, it would be great, of course, to catch up, Angus, and uh, just see how things are coming along for you at some point over the uh, the next year or so. Um, it's a shame we're just about out of time on the podcast today because we could literally talk about the potential that e-commerce has all day, I'm certain. But um, thank you for taking the time to join us on the show. And uh, by all means, do take care and stay safe with all still going on. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you, Scott. Thank you for your time. That's very kind of you. It's been fantastic, and I do hope that everybody tuning in also thoroughly enjoyed the interview with Angus Ferguson from Demijohn today. And just a reminder to all listeners, if you do happen to head your own organisation or run your own business, which you feel has its own story to share with us, then we do want to hear from you, and you too can apply to be on the programme via leaderscouncil.co.uk forward slash apply to share that story with us. Um, Up till that next time, you have been listening to the Leaders Council podcast with your host, Scott Chaloner, today. Please do take care and goodbye all.